0: Blu-ray, let's go ahead and get started here this evening, and uh, you know, cool weather always reminds us, especially when you see a certain amount of moisture in the air, uh, known as snow that living in Iowa, there are certain conditions that we encounter periodically. And uh, so <clears throat> if you haven't ever downloaded Abundant Life app, um, I would encourage you to do so because uh, that makes with our announcements and stuff that we have to make, not just weather, but everything, but especially with weather uh, a lot easier because we can just send a, what do you call it? A notification. A, well, I could have said that. I thought there was some special push name or something to it. Push notification. <coughs> we, can, we can do a push notification so everybody will get it. Yeah, I could have just made something up. A, one of those. So, anyway, just encourage you, if you have never done that, do that, because that would be wonderful if everybody had that, and that would be the only thing we'd have to deal with. So, let's open with prayer. Father God, we thank you tonight that we can gather in the glorious name of Jesus. We thank you that the victory is ours. We thank you, Father, that we can trust you in all situations, no matter what the conditions in this world may be you're greater than any of those conditions and so we can put our trust and confidence in you and so we ask you to bless tonight that that which is said would bring you glory and honor uh, that we might grow in our wisdom and our knowledge our understanding of you and so have your way in this place we'll give you all the praise and the glory in the mighty name of jesus amen, amen. so <clears throat> last week we began talking about um, the balance between grace and faith if we remember we kind of put a pause to our regular study until after the first of the year because the kids are in practice and so forth. And so we're just going to be um, doing a, well, it's not really a mini-series, I guess, because we've got several weeks. But we're going to be looking at um, the balance between grace and faith. And I I just really think it's um, an important topic uh, because... Grace and faith need to work together. And uh, if we don't have an understanding of them, um, we, don't, we don't see them working the way that they ought to. And so in your notes, it begins by saying, God's grace has made available to us everything we need to lead godly lives. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? And so I'm going to read it again. God's grace has made available to us Everything, we need to lead, a godly, to lead godly lives. We only see the manifestation of those things, though, through faith. And so it, what faith is, is appropriate, appropriating what God has already provided for us. Um, faith is not going out there and trying to get something, trying to earn something. It's recognizing and receiving what Jesus has already purchased for us on the cross through his death, burial, and res- his resurrection. And so, without the knowledge of this, um, what happens to so many people when they um, live or try to live the faith walk is life becomes a big struggle. And, you know, the truth of the matter is I don't, I don't believe that our Christian life is supposed to be a life of struggle. It is a life of sacrifice. It is a life of learning what belongs to us and so forth. But I really do not believe that it's supposed to be a life of struggle. <clears throat> and I oftentimes um, use this example, you know, especially when I'm up in, the, in, in Fort Dodge, how, um, you know, my dad, I was going home to be with the Lord now, but I was the son of Walter Schroeder. And in um, the almost 70 years that I lived while Walter Schroeder was alive, I never had to try to be Walter Schroeder's son. The reason that I didn't have to do that was because I was. You know, and uh, I hear from people all the time, well, I'm trying to be a good Christian. Well, stop it. You either is or you ain't. And so if you've received Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a born-again Christian. You are a son of God. You don't have to try to be a Christian. You are a Christian. And so really that's what faith is all about. It empowers us and allows us to live that Christian life because we begin to, uh, when we walk by faith, we begin to recognize and acknowledge and see everything that God has really provided for us through Christ Jesus. That's what the Christian life is is to be all about. It isn't a struggle. And so in, in, in B under Roman numeral 1, it says, if we're struggling, it's because we do not have a clear understanding of faith and how it relates to grace. See, <clears throat> faith is our part. Grace is God's part. Grace is what God has provided for us. It's, it's everything that we will ever need has been provided for us by grace. Faith is our part. That's how we appropriate what, what Christ has already provided for us. And we do that uh, as we acknowledge and recognize and receive what he's, what he's done for us. On, on Sunday, one of the scripture passages that we um, used, we didn't have a whole lot of time to spend on it, but it was Hosea 4 where it says, My people are destroyed or my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Now, that's an Old Testament scripture. I recognize that. But the, the truth is still relevant under the New Testament. If we don't know what Jesus has done for us, we will, we will never be able to appropriate it. Um, I don't remember what day it was. Monday, I think it was. We were driving around uh, with Isaac. I guess it was just yesterday, Tuesday. And uh, so we're driving around, and and, you know, um, I was raised in the church. Uh, I went through, uh, went to Sunday school every Sunday. I went through confirmation. Um, sat in the front row every Sunday because my, my mom played the organ. And uh, so, you know, in the, so I knew stuff. But, you know, it's an interesting thing. Even though I had done all those things, um, they forgot to tell me something very significant. They forgot to tell me that she must be born again. And so that lack of knowledge, uh, if I had died, I wouldn't have spent eternity in heaven because I didn't have the information. It was already provided for me. And so riding around with Isaac, one of the things that I was reminded of, because we were out south of town going down the gravel road, uh, went by the house where Vern Lewis lived uh, when he was a, a counselor at, uh, at the high school. And as you all know, uh, some 30 years ago on a Saturday morning, sitting before the fire in the basement of Vern Lewis's house, myself and two other guys, I prayed and I received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And my life has never been the same. So, yeah. No. Amen. Let's see. What, what had to happen? I got knowledge that morning. Yeah. And that's how it is in every area of our life. You know, Pastor Becky's um, class that she's having on, on Saturday morning. You know, I've heard it from, come out of the mouths of so many of you ladies. Well, I never knew that before. Well, for are crying out loud, you've been in this church for 30 years and you didn't know that? Well, because it wasn't alive to you. And so when that truth came forth and it came forth in a way that you could recognize it and understand it, what happened? You received it. You said, wow, that's been provided for me. And so you didn't have to go through some special course or anything else. You just had to, by faith, recognize what Jesus had done for you, that by His stripes you have been healed, and it was provided for you by His grace. And so your faith, you received it. And recognize it and acknowledge it for yourself. Isn't that simple? You know what the problem with Christianity is it's just too doggone simple. But thank God it's simple, because some of us would never be able to cope with it otherwise. But we want to do something. We want to work something, and that's what we oftentimes do. You know, we hear the scriptures that says, "Work out your salvation," and so we think we've got to get out there and and labor. Well, the only thing, and we're going to look at this towards the end of the court, or evening, if we get that far, you know, what do we labor at? We labor at entering into his rest. Now, how is it that we enter into his rest? Because we know that it's done. We know that it's accomplished. We know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of Father God on high. He's seated there because he's done. And so we can take, we can have confidence in that. Extreme grace causes us to erroneously assume that whatever, that everything affecting us has already been predetermined independently of us. You know, and so anything that happens, we, we, we attribute it to God. And that's why God gets a bad rap. You know, he's accused of stuff that God had absolutely nothing to do with. You know, we have a disaster. What happened? Well... I guess God was punishing them. No, God had absolutely nothing to do with it. You know, somebody dies prematurely. Well, I guess God's trying to teach them something. Let me tell you something. If God's wanting to teach you something, he will have a whole lot better way to do it than take somebody from your life. Again, we're going to be looking. I get, I'm having a hard time not getting ahead of myself. But John 10.10 says, A thief has come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And so part of that knowledge that we need to have is to be able to recognize what's from God and what's from the evil one. You know, because the scripture also says, and we'll be read this one later on too, you know, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But you know what? I don't want to resist God. Amen? You know, but a lot of times if we don't attribute the right thing to the right force, we, 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 we resist things we ought not to resist, and we don't resist what we ought to resist. Let me tell you something. If God has put sickness on you to teach you something, don't resist it. Learn the lesson. Because then if God is faithful, he's going to lift it off of you. But, you know, he didn't put it there. That's why we resist it. Because we know that that sickness is there to steal, to kill, and destroy Jesus came to deliver us from it, and so that's why we resist it because we know that it is not from Him. The result, if we don't have a clear understanding of grace, um, is lasciviousness and a passive and we're passive Christians. Well, case orra orra. Well, will be will be. Guess if God wants me to succeed, he'll make me succeed. Well, no, his word says to meditate on the word day and night, and you'll make your way prosperous, and you have good success. You know, our labor is to meditate, to rest, to recognize what Jesus has already done for us, and we focus on that, and he says when we do that, we're going to make our way prosperous, and we're going to have good success. So there is an element that we uh, are involved in it, but it's But it's working with God. It's cooperating with God. You know, you all remember years back how Jimmy Rushton made that statement concerning the Holy Spirit. He said we, in fact, it was the title of the book that he wrote, uh, Cooperating with the Holy Spirit. At least it was in there someplace. You know, and we need to learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, cooperating with the Holy Spirit is cooperating with God in every area of our life. Cooperating with him concerning the word, concerning the promises that he's given to us. And so we look at that and that's where we find our victory. The result of legalism, because if we just focus on, you know, the, the problem if you just focus on faith, there, there can be a tendency to get legalistic. You know, I, I think of uh, the early years when we got a hold of the word of faith message. You know, I look back at some of... Uh, uh, my messages, you know, Isaac was kind of leafing through some of my ring binders today. And, you know, I mean, I've got uh, my notes from 1980, you know, the first messages that I gave there. They're there, But I, I look back to some of those days and I was just getting a hold of the, the message of faith. And compared to what I'm, uh, the way that I'd present it today, some of that would have been legal, considered legalistic. Because, you know, you got to do this and you got to do that. And in a sense, we do gotta. But but it's not because we're trying to get God to do something. It's because we've got to understand what he's already done so that we can receive it and walk in it. But it was legalistic from the standpoint, we have to do this so that we can get God to do this. But God's already done it. But see, that's where the, the lack of knowledge comes in once again. But thank God we were ignorant, but we don't have to be ignorant still. Amen. Amen. We can learn better and we can grow in the things of God. And even during that time when we didn't have everything figured out right, we are still able to experience the blessings of God because we are moving in the right direction. And thank God we're going to continue to move in the right direction. And we're going to see more and more of the blessings of God manifest in our life. And so faith or in grace are poisonous by themselves. Because if it's just simply faith, you get legalistic. If it's just simply grace, you are lascivious. You say, hey, sirrah surah. You know, you, you carefree and whatever. Well, we want to serve God. So let's look at some scripture. Right believing comes from balancing uh, faith and grace. And so there needs to be a There needs to be a balance. And so, in James, the first chapter, and the 17th verse, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good, every perfect gift comes down from above. And so we see that the benefits that we have in God is that the gifts come down from Him. Now, see, a gift, if, if I've got to earn it, it's no longer a gift. If I've got to earn it, it's not a gift. It's, it's, it's a wage. I've earned it. I've deserved it. And so every, every good and perfect gift comes down from above. In other words, we're not doing anything to earn it, to deserve it. God has given it to us. There's no shadow of turning. It's how it is. There's no darkness in it at all. The belief that God is responsible for everything that happens in the world, even the bad things, is unscriptural. We already talked about that a little bit. But it is. If you truly study the scripture, you realize... To, to give God credit for everything is unscriptural because he's not responsible for those things that, that produce death and destruction. And the problem with that is if we, if we have that, that thinking, what happens is we get to a place where we, where we really don't trust him. You know, I, I believe one of the best definitions of faith is that we just simply trust him. We put our trust in him. We put our confidence in him. We we have this assurance that, that God loves me and that everything that he has for me is for my good. It's for my benefit, not just simply for my good and my benefit, but for the good and the benefit of everybody that I that I have in influence in and I come in contact with. That's his will for each and every one of us. You know, and and, and we have to understand that because You know, as we said in James 4, 7, that we're to resist the devil. So we've got to make sure that we're not resisting God. Or we're not receiving something that has absolutely nothing to do with God because we think it's God, but it's not. And so we don't resist it. We need to recognize, acknowledge what belongs to God. You know, I remember when Pastor Becky and I, we were down at, uh, Oral Roberts University when Jeff was um, getting ready to go to college down there and we're sitting in, in orientation. And Oral Roberts, one of our great heroes of the faith, he, he's up on the platform and he begins to speak. And he, he says, you know, my, my philosophy in ministry is very simple. And it's based on one scripture, John 10 10.10. The thief has come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. He said, what's happening, what is it producing? If it's pr- producing, uh, if it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's the devil, I resist it. I have nothing to do with it. But if it's producing life and life abundantly, it's God. And so I, I yield to that, I give to that. I recognize that. Now I'm, I'm thinking... Here's Oral Roberts, who's impacted the entire world. And if his his philosophy can be that simple and accomplish what he's been able to accomplish, why does ours have to be so complicated? Because I think sometimes that's what we do. We, We complicate things, but we don't have to in him. In Romans 4, 16 and I'm reading this out of the Amplified and says, Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith. I mean, I, we, we could just stop right there and go home and be happy. You know, because of, of what, everything that's involved in the inheritance. But he says, therefore, inheriting, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith. That's what our faith is all about, to inherit, to to receive, to to recognize what what Jesus has done for us, the promise, and depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace. And so it's given to us as an act of grace, unmerited favor it says. And so it means we don't do anything to deserve it. We don't do anything to earn it. If, if, if anything, if we take our lives as a whole, we've done all we can to not deserve it. But because of his grace, because of unmerited favor, he makes it available, and how do we receive it? We receive it by faith. In order that it might be given as an act of grace, unmerited favor, to make it stable and valid and guaranteed to all his descendants not only to the the devotees and inheritors of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is thus the father of us all. And so it means each and every one of us, we qualify to be partakers of the grace of God. And as partakers of the grace of God, the way that we partake of it is by faith by recognizing what Jesus has done for us. You know, in reality, this is really what the definition of faith is. We're reconciled by God's grace. You know, we couldn't earn salvation. All we could do was receive it by faith. Now, the thing that I believe about faith is when we recognize it, um, it, it demands an action on our part. It isn't just, it, I, don't, I don't believe it's passive at that point. You know, again, <clears throat> I remember sitting there in the basement of Vern Lewis's house, and they, they began to share the, the gospel with me and the, the scriptures concerning salvation. And, and uh, as they shared it, you know, I, I thought I was there that morning to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But after they shared, I realized that I had never received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And you know what? <clears throat> uh, when they said, uh, do I have that confidence? I didn't. And I wanted to pray. There was something on the inside of me that, that wanted to leave that place knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt that I was going to go to heaven. And so that was faith that was speaking. But I didn't, I didn't do anything to work it up. It was gro- God's grace in my life. And... You know, I didn't have to go through, you know, penance or anything else before I could receive Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior because there was nothing I could do to earn it. It was grace that was made available to me. And so I received it. And like I said, my life hasn't ever been, it's not been the same since. And it's all because of Jesus, because of His grace. But still, you know what? I could have walked out of that basement and absolutely nothing would have happened because I wouldn't have acted upon that which I knew at that point. But I did, thank God. And y'all did at some point. So we're reconcil- reconciled to God by grace. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has already been done. There's nothing left to do. You know, so a Christian that says they can't is uninformed. A Christian that says, I can't live a righteous life. I can't live a holy life. I can't follow Jesus. I can't do what he's told me in my word. That individual is uninformed. Because according to the scripture, we can. Because everything that is needful for us to live a... a, a, a a godly life, before Almighty God, it's already been imparted into our life. It's been given to us. But what we haven't done is we haven't, we haven't recognized it. We haven't appropriated it. We haven't received it. Because the moment we receive something, we act upon it. You know, <clears throat> Will, for his birthday, he got a, um, a dirt bike. Five-year-old on a dirt bike. But, you know, he got on that dirt bike and, you know, of course it's got a screw so it'll only go so fast and stuff. But he got on that dirt bike and, and he, he, it was his. He knew that it was his because it was given to him. And so he got on that dirt bike and he took off on that dirt bike. He acted upon it because he wanted to ride that thing. Well, you know, there's some things in scripture we need to ride. You know, we, we, need to, we, need to, we need to get on that thing. And if you got to do a little pedaling, then pedal, you know. But the thing is, is <clears throat> here, here's his dad, Brian, running alongside that thing all over the field. And finally he stopped for a little bit and Brian's there and he's just... <laughs> <laughs> Will, he is just ready to go again, Pum pum pum. you know. But, you know, we got the Holy Ghost running alongside. Now I'm preaching here a little bit. But let me tell you something, he's running alongside us to make sure that that which has been given to us is fulfilled in our life. And so we need to to get excited about the things of God and get moving on the things of God. Listen to this, and we have already been blessed, according to Ephesians 1-3, we've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing already belongs to us. It's already imparted into our life. It's not us trying to get us get it. It's us recognizing that it already belongs to us. That's the issue. That's why it's so important for us to read the Word of God and meditate on the Word of God. Because it isn't telling us how to get something. It's telling us what already belongs to us. And then how to to see it manifest in our life. All spiritual blessings. And so, you know, some people, they'll take that passage and they'll say, well, that's talking about heavenly blessings. It's not talking about earthly things. Well, heaven came to earth so that he could bring a blessing into our life. And that's what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. Therefore, as it says in the next, uh, in in number four, we don't have to beg for it anymore. We don't have to try to get it, you know. I remember Brother Hagin talking and sharing how he is doing some meetings in this one for this pastor and they're in the back room before the service is about to begin and the pastor's praying and he, he, he says he's just begging God. He says, oh God, oh God, some way, somehow, some way, somehow, oh God, just a just pleading with God, some way, somehow. And he says, I just wanted to say, Jesus is the way and the Holy Ghost is the how. It's already been done. But we don't have to beg him to do it. I'm not saying we're not supposed to ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So there is an asking, but it's asking according to what we already know. Knowing what he's already provided for us. And we're going to see the fulfillment of that. In Romans 5, verse 2, and again, out of the Amplified, it says, Through him... Jesus, also we have our access, entrance, introduction by faith into this grace. So it's by faith that we're introduced to what he's already done for us into this grace state of God's favor. I I like that. I like to know that I'm in a state of God's grace. Amen. You ain't Missouri no more you're in the state of God's grace hallelujah and so in which we firmly and safely stand we stand why because we know what we have we're in this we're in this state we're in this condition we're We're so assured that that the blessings of God have been poured out for us. We're unmovable. That's why it says in Ephesians, when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Why? Because you know that Jesus has already done it. And Jesus is not capable of lying. And therefore, if it's been promised, it's done. And we may have to persist for a bit until we see the manifestation of it. But we have confidence. We have the assurance That what he has promised, he is going to fulfill. And let us rejoice. Let us rejoice. You know, we don't have to be Christians that go around with long faces anymore. We can be, be full of joy. Why? Because we know what Jesus has done for us. You see, that's why the fruit of the Spirit has already been imparted into our life. That's why we can have a peace that surpasses human understanding because of what we know. We can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why? Because of what we know. Because we know what Jesus has done for us. So it's it's not based upon feelings or emotions or any of that fickle stuff. It's based completely upon what we know. And what we know is what Jesus has done for us. And let us rejoice And exalt in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. What's the glory of God? The glory of God is the manifestation of God's grace in our life. I mean, that's about as simple a definition as you can have. But that's what what His glory is. You know, we're, we're we're still looking for the cloud when we ought to be abiding in it. We ought to be abiding in the glory because we have His promise, we have assurance, we have this peace. And, and so when we're able to rejoice in that, because how, why do we do it? Because we know. And so how do we enter into that? We, we claim it by faith. We say, I know this belongs to me because your word says so. But if we don't, if we don't know that, that's when we, we run into difficulty and that's when the enemy comes along. And, and brings the lie and we buy the lie and we come up way short of what God really intends for us in life. You know, Galatians, or excuse me, Ephesians 2.8, one of the most beautiful passages in all of the Scripture. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. Once again, you know, it, it's, it's not something that we Uh, can earn or deserve. But see, the thing that I want you to see here is I think oftentimes, you know, especially when we begin to talk about the grace of God, people talk about Ephesians 2.8 and they, they look at it like, you know, that's the only place where it talks about it. Well, we've looked at several passages in Romans and other places where it talks about the grace of God and how it's a gift of God made available to each and every one of us. And so it's important for us to have that understanding of that because the more scripture background we have on it, the more confidence that we can have in it that God's going to bring about that which we need, which He wants to manifest in our life. For by grace you've been saved through faith, it's, uh, um, saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Then it goes on and says, Not of works lest any man should boast. You know, and so, none of us as Christians have nothing to look down our nose at anybody else about. Why? Because we're all saved by the grace of God. For none of us was it our perfection that brought us into the kingdom. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it's all because of what Jesus has done for us. You know, and that's what empowers us, allows us to be able to love the unlovely, the unlovable. When we realize, you know, I was pretty unlovable myself. You know, but you know, no matter how good we may think we, we were, <clears throat> you're rotten to the core. You know, I remember years back, Pastor Becky and I we were up in uh, St. Paul. We were at a pastor's conference up there. And, uh, you know, that was back when we all wore our three-piece suits and the ladies all, you know, wore their best uh, wardrobe with their high heels and their earrings and their necklaces and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and so we're sitting in this meeting after the meal and, and uh, this uh, individual gets up and the first time I'd really heard anybody preach this kind of a message concerning grace. And uh, his name is Mike Williams. And uh, um, he was a, um, he had been a, uh, in the gay lifestyle. Uh, he had uh, um, been on drugs and alcohol. He's just an absolute mess. And he says, one day I was in um, an asylum, uh, curled up in the shower room in the fetal position because I was so strung out. And God comes by and says, now there's somebody I can use. And so anyway, Norval Hayes got a hold of him. He got saved and got delivered and just a, was a tremendous um, teacher and taught him grace that day. But at one point, he, he looks out at all of us preachers and he says, he says, I, I, do, you, do you all realize that there's a reason why you've all been called into the high calling of a pastor. You know, and everybody's kind of sticking their chest out this little further and he says he says it's because you're the scum of the earth. And <laughs> you know, and you're going to see everybody. Boom, 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 boom. you know, I mean Pastor Becky and I we thought, yeah, that's the truth. You know. But but I mean People think there's something. But without Jesus, we're nothing. And that's what we need to know. And and that's, you know, we're we're all in the same boat. And so when we recognize that, everything begins to change. We must begin operating in the supernatural in calling uh, things that be not as though they were. That's Romans 4.17. Old King James calling those things that be not as though they were. You know, we don't call those things a be as though they be not. We call those things a be not as though they, they were. We don't go around saying, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, but I'm sick. Because I be sick. What I do is I go around calling what be not. I be not well. And so I call those things a be not. I be healed by the stripes of Jesus. You know, I am the redeemed of the Lord. No sickness, no disease can attach itself to my body because I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. So sickness and disease get out of my life, get out of my way. You know, and so we, we, we need to recognize that because when we begin, everything, all the promises be not. I be not joyful, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so I begin to declare the joy of the Lord is my strength. I be not at peace. So I begin to declare, I have a peace that surpasses human understanding because God guards my heart and my mind and I keep it on Christ Jesus. That's where I put my trust. That's where I put my confidence. And so that's what it's talking about. It's not just, it's not talking about making a positive statement. It's talking about declaring what God says is to be in your life, but it be not yet. You know, it's like when you pray and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you be not saved. And so what's the declaration that you made? I'm saved through the blood of the Lamb by the word of my testimony. And I declare right now that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I am saved. And what happens at that moment? You're born again. You're saved. That which had been not now is because of your Profession because of your confession of faith. And so that's what, that's how grace operates. It be not. So don't be upset if it be not. Just begin to declare that it now it's going to be. Because I call those things that be, that be not. Because of what Jesus has done for me. Avoiding either extreme. So remember the title of the message, you know, is uh, a balance. Between faith and grace. Avoid either extreme. Avoiding either extreme moves us into a, into a position to receive. And so when we get into that place of balance, when we recognize our part, when we recognize God's part, uh, there, there's a balance there. And it, it, it allows us then to get into that place to receive. Philemon 1.6 in the Amplified, it says, And I pray that the participation in and sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is yours in our identification with Christ Jesus and under His glory. What's the glory? the manifestation the fulfillment of the grace in our life. But I mean don't you just don't you just love that verse? I mean I've read that verse so many times but reading it in the amplified you know, yes pastor Becky I read it in the amplified and wow I mean it just gives you so much deeper revelation and understanding of what he's what he's wanting to produce and accomplish in our lives. Let me let me read it again because it's one thing to see it, but to, to hear it. You know. And I pray that the participation in and sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and persistent knowledge of every good thing that is present tense, that is Ours in our identification with Christ Jesus and unto His glory. You know how He's glorified? To see the manifestation of His grace and what it produces in our life. That's how God's glorified. And and so, I I mean, but we, we identify with Christ. What does that mean to identify with Christ? It means to identify with everything that Jesus accomplished For each and every one of us. And when we begin to identify with that. What we see is that belongs to me. That's mine. That's what Jesus. He did that for me. You know it's wonderful. That he did it for the world. But it's essential. That I realize he did it for me. And a lot of times we acknowledge things for the world. But we don't take it personal. This this Bible. Is a book. That's to be taken personal. That it's written to me. It belongs to me. You know, it's, it's like, you know, if somebody sends a, sends a general message, you know, everybody might get touched a little bit. But, you know, when you insert your name in it and recognize that was, that was for me, all at once, it gets real personal at that point. And that's what he wants. He wants it to be personal In each of our lives. This refers to the release of our faith. To appropriate what grace has made available to us. And that's what it really boils down to. Appropriating what he's done for us. You know 1 John 5.4 says this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. It's our faith. I don't overcome the world. But my faith does. When I recognize what Jesus has done for me, I'm a world overcomer. But it isn't me, it's my faith that brings that to pass. And uh, I'm not going to defeat the world, but you know what? I already have, because Jesus has. And so by faith, I receive what he's already done. Whatever we must do uh, must be done in faith. Faith is our positive response I like that little quote there faith is our positive response to god's grace faith is our positive response to god's grace in galatians 5:4 it says you have become strangers estranged estranged from christ You attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. When is it that we've fallen from grace? We've fallen from grace when we try to do it in our own strength and our own ability. You know, falling from grace isn't talking in this context. In this context, it's not talking about when we go out and do something stupid and sin. That's not what it's talking about where it's, where it's falling from grace. Falling from grace is when I think I can do it on my own. Where I think I can keep the law, I can do the law, I can do it in my own ability. Basically what I'm saying is, God, I don't need you. And so we've fallen from grace because we're no longer dependent upon what he's done. We're saying, I can do it myself. And so we need to stay in that position of being completely dependent upon you. Sorry if I'm smiling, but <clears throat> y'all look so very serious tonight. It's almost scaring me. You know, so, you know, every once in a while, will just, for no reason at all, just smile, you know, and um, I'll feel better. You know, I, 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 I don't think I'm whooping you. You know, but uh, anyway. Faith does not move God. Mm, mm, mm. It's Roman numeral three, letter A, number eight. You need to circle that, underline that, and if you've got yellow, run it through that. Faith does not move God. It moves us into a position to receive from him. I mean, that is, that is so key. You know, because that's, that's what we used to think. We used to think that if my faith was strong enough, I could move God. Well, my faith was never about that. Because God has already moved. God has already done everything that, that he, he can possibly do. What faith does, it, it positions me, it moves me. It moves me to a place of of trusting him and acknowledging what he's already done for me. I receive it from him. Neither does it cause a positive response from him. It is simply our response to what he's already done. Faith isn't to try to get favor with God. We already have it. It's true. If we didn't have favor with God, Jesus would have never come. God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why? Because we have favor. And so we need to recognize that favor. In Hebrews 4, this is where we, I made reference to the rest earlier. But in Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to jump down to verses 9 through 11, it says, Therefore, since a promise remains to enter his rest, let us fear, lest any of us seem to have come short of it. Well, I thought he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Well, he's trying to emphasize something here. He's trying to say that... if we're going to fear anything, let's let's fear falling short of entering into the rest. Because if we fall short of entering into the rest, what's going to happen is we're going to take over. And we're going to begin to try to do it in our own strength and our own ability rather than continuing to trust Him. And so therefore, since the promise remains, so as long as the promise remains, now if the promise is gone, We're dealing with a whole different set of circumstances here. A whole new scenario. But the promise remains, and the promise will continue to remain. Can't tell you what's going to happen after Jesus comes and takes us out of here. I don't know if the, I imagine the promise goes with us. But we have this confidence up until that point in time, that promise is going to remain. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world, doesn't matter what they say, Therefore, since the promise remains to enter his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel is preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Why they heard it, but they didn't Accept it. They didn't believe it. They didn't receive it. They didn't appropriate it by faith. They didn't recognize what is the gospel. It's the good news. It's what Jesus has done for us. And so the good news is all inclusive. You know, Paul referred to it as the gospel of grace. And so everything that, that um, applies to grace applies to the gospel. And so... You know people as well as I do. They've heard the message, but they don't accept the message. They, they reject the message. They won't receive the message. And so he says, For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed Do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And so we're talking here, once again, about another series we taught some time back. The finished works of Christ so we need to recognize the finished works of Christ. And he says there are those that have not entered into the rest. Why? Because they have not recognized, they have not acknowledged, they've not entered into the finished works of Christ. I don't know about you, I want to enter in. Whatever that involved. I want to enter into the salvation. I want to enter into the fullness of the Spirit. I want to enter into healing. I want to enter into prosperity. I want to enter into the abundance. I want to enter into having a... Uh, uh, the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit in my life so my soul is strong and mighty. I can deal with whatever comes my way. But I've got to be willing to accept what the Word of God says and enter into it. Verse 9. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Thank God it hasn't left. There's still a rest for us. we have any people of God here tonight? I am. And so that rest is for me. For he who has entered his rest has himself, who? The one who's entered into the rest. So he can use the same um, uh, method of study that we were using earlier in the, uh, our study of Genesis and so forth. It still applies. Who's he talking about? Me. For he, David Schroeder, who has entered his rest, has himself, David Schroeder, also see from his, David Schroeder's works, as God did from his. So in the same way that God sat down because he had finished his work, I recognize I sit down because the works are finished from the foundation of the world. But I don't just sit here. I do something with it. And so then, let us, who's the us? Us are the ones that heard the gospel preached and received it. Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. What's the disobedience that he's talking about? Not entering the rest. And so we enter the rest. That means when I preach, I don't labor at it. I enter into the rest. I do what God's called me to do. If your gift is serving, you serve. And how do you serve? You serve from a position of rest. Not laboring. not, you know, why? Because his grace is sufficient. And so it it takes the burden out of it. We have a, a, not speaking of us, but the church is so burdened down today because everybody is laboring, but they've not ever entered into the rest. You know, and we had, you know, some of the missionaries that I think of. Think of John Smithwick. You know, the dude flies all over the world and he preaches on these things and he's got got to raise the funds to go and so forth and you know our um, missionary spotlight this past month was on, was on Larry and Gene Johnson and all the stuff that they do and you, know, you sit down and you talk with those people and they're just so calm. They're at rest. Why? Because they're just doing what God told them to do. You know remember Brother Hagen? you know when he was still alive and in charge of Raymond. One time they, they, their, their finances weren't what they were supposed to be. And, you know, he said he sat down and he was reading scriptures concerning it. And finally, you know, he was sitting one day out in his car, out in the parking lot. And he says, you know, God, I didn't want to do this in the first place. This whole school thing was your idea. So I guess since it's your idea, you just pay for it then. And he said he got out of the car and he quit worrying about it. And is still there today. Why? Because God paid for it. Took care of it. He rested. He, you know, I'm not saying he never believed for any money, but he believed for the money on the, the assurance that it was God that called them to do it. And if God called them to do it, then God was going to provide the money to do it. And that's where we need to be in our lives as well. Rest is the highest level of faith there is. We can always be confident that we're, we're, we're in faith because we're at rest. Um, when the devil tries to stress you out, we must enter into a peace, Philippians 4, 7, that surpasses human understanding. How do we get to that place? It's looking to him. Because as long as we look to self, we'll, 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 never, we'll never experience it. If drama threatens to steal our peace, we can be still and know that God is still God. Psalms 46.10 What does he say? You know, be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. And of course we all know Romans 10.17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's why it's so important for us to meditate Focus on the Word of God so that our faith remains strong. I believe our faith grows when we meditate on the Word of God, but it it grows in confidence of what Jesus has already accomplished for us. And as we continue in the Word, we see things that we've never seen before. Psalm 1611, we'll close with this. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what we have in Him. And we receive it by faith through grace. It's His grace. It's our faith that appropriates it because we know what He's done for us. So, uh, be blessed. Have a glorious week. And we'll see you Sunday. Remember, Sunday morning come. uh, We're going to be uh, Communion Sunday. We're going to have a dinner afterwards. Woohoo! And uh, we're going to lay hands on Isaac, and he's going to be, uh, receive his ordination through About Life Ministries. Turn your clocks back. Huh? And turn your clocks back, or you'll be there real early. But Junior will be there to fix you a cup of coffee. So uh, it'd be worth it. Bye.